Hey, this is Jeff Finley, and you're listening to the Maker Mistaker podcast. Today on the show, I've got a very special guest, Samantha Hess, and she's a professional cuddler. And it's funny because I, I ended up seeing her on America's Got Talent, not because I watched that show at all. I <laughs> My mom actually showed it to me because she thought I would like it because she's cuddling for a living, and she thinks that that might be something I'd like to do. So thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so before I bring Samantha on the show, um, just a few quick updates for me. Um, so I'm I'm in Austin, Texas now. So last podcast I was in Ohio, and I had made the 21 hour move to Austin, and here I am in my little apartment, and it's a one bedroom, super small. I have like hardly anything in it because I only packed the stuff that could fit in my car, so I didn't have any furniture. I had to buy all of the home goods, you know, cleaning supplies, mops, brooms, and basic bare essentials. So like, that's what I've been doing the past couple of days. But the sucky part is that I've been sick since I got here, and I'm just now getting better. And so I spent the, the whole trip driving down kind of under the influence of the flu, and my cat was with me, and we were trekking it down and staying at hotels and stuff like that. But we finally got here, and I'm finally getting better. So I had some good friends here help me out with that. They gave me some care packages and healing herbs and stuff like that. So I'm super excited, and I'm feeling better. I'm glad. So the things, the other thing I've been focused on while I'm here in Austin is really focused on my money and my business because I have to figure out how to pay the rent. And as you know, I'm self-employed, and I don't feel like going out and getting a job. Um, because why would I want to dedicate eight hours to somebody else's vision for 10 to $15 an hour when I can dedicate eight hours to my vision and actually make an impact on what I love to do? And so one of the things that I'm really debating between is doing coaching, um, you know, life coaching, personal growth stuff, Skype sessions, creating courses and eBooks, continuing to do that, or doing my freelance graphic design work. I'm not quite sure if which one is the best route to go to. Um, Still kind of pondering up in the air. This podcast and my blog and the clothing line I'm planning on to start, um, I don't think they're going to make that much money right off the bat. So i got to figure out what's going to make me the most money this month. I have to come up with $2,000 to pay all my expenses, and I've got enough savings for this month, but not next month. So I'm really living on the edge here, but it's so fun and exciting. So anyway, that's all the updates for me. And Samantha Hess, I'd like to welcome you to the Maker Mistaker podcast. So, okay, I saw you on America's Got Talent, and you were very, it was very interesting because, you know, most of the people on that show are dancers and musicians and um, who knows what else. Um, but you were, you were uh, showing off your cuddling talents. And so the hosts were obviously very like, oh, this is so lame, you know, and then you got to, you got to show off your example of it. And you were so excited and enthusiastic about it. I was like, kind of mad that those guys, the hosts were giving you some shit, but could you could you tell us a little bit about who you are and 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 what led up to you getting on America's Got Talent and why you think profession being a professional cuddler is your passion and your life purpose? That's a lot of things all at once. I will do my best. Let's see. So <laughs> yeah, just start from wherever and we'll go. <laughs> so I had actually become pretty famous for what I do uh, back in like late 2014. Uh, or no. Like early 2014, it was 2013 that like I had the, like the local news story that kind of went viral, and then it ended up on like 40 news stations across the country, and now I've been seen by an estimated 60 million people across the globe. Uh, I've done nothing but professional cuddling as my only source of income for the last two and a half years. I've done this more than 50,000 minutes in the last two years. Uh, probably closer to like 75,000. It's, I gotta go do my taxes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's, uh, they, they found me because they had seen me in some other media article. I mean, I, I was on the front page of the wall street journal. It's everywhere. It's crazy. Okay. So uh, you, you were doing the so cuddling I, thing and got featured by the local news and then blew up all over national. And then that's how America's got talent found you and they contacted you. They did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, they, they they asked me if I wanted to audition, and I was like, of course. 
course I do. 10 million people for one sitting? Yeah, let's do that. Why not? Uh, and so, yeah, they, they actually accepted my audition and they flew me out to New Jersey and then uh, they flew me out to New York for the second round and then they actually flew me out a third time. I was in the season finale as well for like five seconds. Nice. <laughs> Spent all day in a room with the people who got buzzed off the show. It's great. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so let's let's rewind a little bit. How did you get on the no, on the local news for your cuddling? I, I'm sure you just didn't start and start cuddling and all of a sudden get famous. Like, what was the leading up to that? Kind of, I did. So what happened was, uh, it's, it's I'm in Portland, Oregon, and what happened is in the traditional Portland way, I put up flyers and handed out business cards and literally just talked to every single person I came across uh, and made sure they knew what I did. And essentially what happened is uh, one of our local newspapers found uh, one of my flyers and they contacted me and they did an article. They put me in their best of Portland issue, which has like 400,000 people that see this issue. So within the first month of being open, I was in front of 400,000 people. And then the Oregonian, our, our, the biggest newspaper in Oregon, ended up, someone had printed out my website and posted it outside of their house because they loved the idea so much. Wow. And one of the journalists for the Oregonian walked by it and tweeted about it and decided to write an article. Uh, he gave me two hours worth of notice, and this is the week that I got 10,000 emails in a week, like quite legitimately, 10,000 emails in a week, and I just cried and like was just so overwhelmed. And it's just been nonstop since then. Like it's been two and a half years of me doing this 70 to 100 hours a week in some capacity to make this work and to make this. Oh man, so that's amazing. That's such a cool, um, cool story. So. What made you want to get into cuddling? What did you do before that? I've done all sorts of different customer service jobs. My degree is in fitness. I'm certified as a personal trainer. But really what, what drew me to this was I was married to my high school sweetheart. We were together for almost 13 years. It was an extremely unhealthy, really codependent relationship. Uh, and I was really rejected and touch deprived. And I spent a decade of my life just feeling completely isolated and broken and by the time I left uh, there was really nothing left of me uh, every one of my male friends hit on me and I hated everyone in this moment and it was just like I just left a 13 year long relationship fuck all of you guys it's not happening no uh, and then I came across this article on Facebook of this guy with the free hug sign who gets punked deluxe hugs two dollars and my only thought is Dear God, I would love to pay a man to hold me and make me feel loved without getting a boner or wanting something more from me. And then I kind of had that like light bulb moment of like, wait, why is there no like Starbucks for hugs? Why can't I just go get that right now? Why can't I like someone who's unbiased and like doesn't need something from me? And for me, the financial concept, the monetary exchange there allows me to inherently trust that person. I know what their motivation is. And so instantly I trust them and know that I'm going to get what I need out of it because they're getting something in return as well. Awesome. Wow. Okay. So I, I, you you I said a couple of great things there. Okay. <laughs> so you were in a 12-year, 13-year-long relationship and you said you were touch-deprived, like lack of physical affection. And, you know, me coming out of a marriage, um, that was, I wouldn't say it was as bad as what you made it sound like for you, but that was something that I experienced that I wish I had more of as well. And one of the reasons why now that I'm divorced, um, I'm doing a lot of healing and, and uh, on, on my physical, emotional, you know, self and what I want in my next relationship or whatever that's going to be. So it's probably one of the reasons why um, I was attracted to your work, you know, because you're so much about physical touch and you, and I related to your story about how you, what you went through in your marriage for, can you explain a little bit why the physical part wasn't there for you? And like, what, what made you stay for 13 years? So for me, my, my ex-husband was just not a touch driven person. He never had been. He never, it's just not something he wants or needs in his life. He was grown up in a, grown up in a household where touch was not an option. His family had no physical contact of any kind. Um, I mean, they really, like, he didn't have an understanding of, like, affection in any way. Like, it just didn't happen. Like, the most touch that he got would be getting the plate out of his mom's hand, you know, for dinner. 
Um, they yeah. they didn't ever have any kind of affection. And my family is the complete opposite. You know, like I still kiss my mom on the lips because that's normal in my household. Like no big deal. If we sit on the couch, there's never an inch between us. Um, and that's just normal for my family. Uh, my sister's both not super touch-driven people, but I I am very extremely <laughs> touch-driven. Like, I don't feel normal in my life if I don't have touch. I will not thrive. Uh, if I'm completely isolated and touch-deprived, I do not function. It's just not going to happen for me. Um, and so with my marriage, I spent, I don't know, thousands of hours having this conversation with my ex-husband about what I wanted and what I needed and what made sense for me and what I needed him to change, which is like, hold my hand, please. Like, fuck, like, come on, man. I mean, I, I went through pretty extreme steps. I like, I tried to like entice him to like be close to me, you know, by doing like, I would wear lingerie or you know, silly things and like anything that I could just to get him interested and over and over day after day, year after year, constant rejection. Uh, hmm. <laughs> it just completely broke me. It was awful. So what, why, what, what attracted you to him in the beginning? Was he affectionate in the first few months or the other so honeymoon we were, phase? We were high school kids. We started dating at 15. I didn't know any better. I mean, this was literally the only man I had been with until I was 28 years old when I left him and divorced him. Um, we got along great. We were best friends. Every different thing that you could think of that you might need to agree upon. You know, we watched the same shows. We had the same political views. We had the same, like, concept of what we wanted out of a family, which was, like, no kids, which was great. <laughs> no uh, <laughs> yeah, just the two of us. Very simple. We, we like to hike and, uh, you know, we like the same foods, all of those things. We were a great match. Um, we knew each other better than anyone, you know, could ever know anybody else. Uh, we had great communication. We, we talked openly and honestly with each other about everything, basically. The only thing missing was the touch. The only thing missing. And for me, it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to have my best friend because I didn't need a roommate. I needed a husband. I needed somebody that was my partner in life and made me feel loved and respected and accepted. And without the touch, I don't feel those things. It didn't work for me. So was there sex at all? Rarely. Uh, and if there was, it was very short and not satisfying and <laughs> uh, unproductive. Uh, I mean... To be quite honest, the first orgasm I had in my life, I was 25 years old. So, not, not very much, and it's just not great for me. Yeah, <laughs> so that, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, well, it's kind of tragic, but it's but it's interesting because we are able <laughs> to stay in these long relationships because we have all these other things that we like and that that make us feel like we have this companion, you know, someone who's with us through everything. We know each other so well your best friends, your great roommates, you get along. There's no real problems other than the lack of desire and romance and, and physical attraction and affection. And so you realized when you were in your late 20s how important it was. So how, what point did you decide that you wanted to divorce him and how did you go through that? So for me, it happened when a coworker of mine died suddenly. Uh, he was 38 years old. He left behind a wife and four kids. And in that moment, recognizing how short life was, I mean, I had spent three or four years kind of pondering, like wondering, can I live my life without touch? Can I live my life without affection? Can I live my life feeling neglected and, you know, misunderstood? And eventually, you know, when that happened in that moment, it was like a light bulb for me. Like it flicked the switch and I was like, oh, no, I can't wait around for him to like have the 8,000th chance to fix it. And no, I have to like choose happiness for me. I have to choose the possibility of happiness because with this, I know what I'm getting. I absolutely know what the rest of my life will be from today until the day I die. I know what every single day will look like. And I wasn't happy. I didn't want it. It didn't fulfill me. And so I had to choose me. Absolutely, 100%, I was worth the risk. And even if that meant that I never found who my true partner in life was supposed to be, someone who made me feel that way, I had to try. 
I was worth at least trying. Yeah. So how did he take it? <laughs> he was really mad, <laughs> like really mad. Oh. Not that he was ever like, you know, physical, uh, physically angry with me. He never hit me or anything, but yeah, no affection, <laughs> it, right? No touch. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, it was quite interesting to watch all of the facial expressions on him and watch him go through all of these, these moments of recognizing that he really did run out of chances. You know, we'd had the same fight a thousand times and he'd understood for a decade what I wanted and needed. And he'd been unable or unwilling to provide that for me. And finally that day had come and it was done. And like, there's no looking back for me, you know, like I, we had never, never broken up at all. Not even once, even as 15, 16 year olds, we'd spent, you know, almost 13 solid years together. And the day I was done, I was done. Uh, and he was really pissed and then really sad. Uh, and, you know, every emotion you could think of except for how happy he was. Uh, and, yeah, I ended up moving out. And, you know, uh, he he didn't have any other friends in his life. Neither did I because he was really jealous and really introverted and, like, wouldn't let me leave the house unless I was with him. <laughs> um, and so That's he used me love. as... I don't know what is. Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh. <laughs> This is what kids think love is, you know? Exactly. I was, yeah, no, awful. Um, yeah, why I allowed that to happen to myself. Oh, sickening. Uh, but at least I, you know, made a better choice eventually. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I, I moved out, and, you know, tried to help support him best as I could, but eventually we just stopped, stopped communicating altogether, and it's really been for the best. Okay, so now the new single, Samantha, is out in the dating world for the first time, like ever. Tell, <laughs> yeah. me, tell me about that. Um, so I, I really kind of started dating almost immediately because I had done all of my grieving for my marriage while I was still married because, you know, it took me years to decide whether or not I wanted to do this. Uh, and so I, I went, for online dating maybe two months after I, I left uh, <laughs> and I kind of got really good at this and I ended up going on like a hundred dates in three months um, <laughs> I know a lot and really my whole purpose was just to like go explore talk to people figure out what dating is all about and just like I don't know, meet people, because I, I had been so completely isolated for so long, and so I <laughs> I just went on a ton of first dates. Like, I was I was such a dick. I was booking dates, like, two weeks in advance because I had so many dates already set up. <laughs> Who does that? That's awful. I do that, apparently. You're, you're, uh, you're a professional. You, tra you transitioned into professional cuddling, so you're professional. You're like a, a first dater. I do coach people a lot with online dating. It's true. I've gotten pretty good at that. Uh, and I definitely have my, like, my list of, like, requirements for profiles and things. And it's it's definitely is an interesting concept. It's, yeah. So you got, really, you got really, really good at, at online dating. But you were just getting out of this long relationship. So I noticed sometimes my tendency is to, like... Um, naturally gravitate back into the same type of relationship I had that I just left. Like even without me, even with me trying to avoid doing that, it's like sometimes the person I'll be with, it's like just like the girl I'll meet, I'll start to crush on and want more of. And it's like, whoa, 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 I don't want to get into another relationship. Did you ever find yourself falling for any of these people that you met and then like wanting to get into a relationship with them right away? Um, you know, I, I didn't actually have a real relationship until, uh, about almost two years later, actually. Uh, or no, no, I guess it was a year. It was a year later. Yeah. So it, I, I went about a year of just doing like this, like bullshit friends with benefits and like the simpler non-emotional attachment. I had no interest whatsoever in being in a relationship. It sounded like the worst concept ever for me. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I, I, and also for me, it's it's tricky because uh, I had only been with one person, 28 years old. I have no idea what I'm doing sexually, physically. Like, I didn't have touch. I knew I wanted it. Um, 
no clue what I'm doing. I'm so inexperienced. And like, I, I literally had to like talk to my best friend. She's like, here's the deal. You have an eight date rule. You don't sleep with anybody for eight dates. And I'm like, that seems like a lot. <laughs> I still use that today. Uh, so how can you it, have like friends it, with benefits if you have to wait eight full days or eight dates? Eight dates because otherwise you never know who you're spending time with and whether or not they're trustworthy and worthy of your time. Uh, and I, I don't know. There's something about that that just makes me so uncomfortable when somebody's like so quick to jump in the sack without knowing who you are, you know, like I hate that. And so I don't know. I really like STDs are frightening and I'm not interested in like putting myself at unnecessary risk, you know? And mm -hmm. so I'm only going to date the people who are like willing to put in the time to make sure that I can trust them and they can trust me. And I mean, obviously anybody would trust someone who's only been with one person. <laughs> There's really no risk there. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was all on me. You know, I was the one that kind of had the upper hand here. Yeah. So you said you got, did you get a chance to explore your sexuality and figure out who you are in that arena? Yeah, uh, I mean, before I actually started dating, I had made it up to six partners. <laughs> so I, I got five people in a year. That's that's pretty explorative, I would say. Um, yeah, all, all, all pretty pretty short lived and uh, ended tragically most most of the time. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, that happens. Um, yeah, and then I ended up in, in two basically year-long relationships, like literally back-to-back. -back. And uh, now I've been single again since the end of October. Um, and yeah, not interested in a relationship again. <laughs> so you're single, but are you, st are you still seeing anybody? Or what is your, like, what would you call your status? Celibate? Yes. <laughs> or <laughs> no, polyamorous? Um, dating while I'm playing the field? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, uh, this is the first time that I have been, like, non-monogamous in my life. I wouldn't say that I'm polyamorous. Uh, I don't think that's super fitting of me right now. Um, but I am, for the first time in my life, I have, like, a counselor now, uh, and I have dealt with my, like, abandonment bullshit for the first time in my life, which is really exciting, and, like, now I'm not so stuck with needing that happily ever after. Um, and it, the, the concept of impermanence really makes so much sense to me. And I love this, the, the concept of just, uh, abundance without, uh, without, uh, what's it called? Uh, attachment, abundance without attachment. That's like the new, mm. the new phrase from my mind of like, mm. I want all of the good feelings and all of the bad feelings, but I don't want to be attached to any of them for any super long length of time. I just want to live each moment as it is and experience everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the frightening, the tragic, all of it. I want it all, you know, but I don't want to be stuck with it. And so <laughs> I, yeah, the concept of a boyfriend right now sounds awful other than the like, you know, condoms suck and I hate that part, but that's so necessary when you have more than one person around. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. You, touched so on, I have... you touched on these abandonment issues and I think that's a, yeah. a big a big thing for a lot of people going through their healing process, you know, especially if they've had a spiritual awakening and they start looking within and understanding their, why they're afraid of things in life. A lot of it comes back to their abandonment issues. So how did you get to that conclusion and how did you start to be able to enjoy where you're at right now yeah it's it's an extremely long story and i'll kind of save you the the bulk of it but generally uh when i had the, the trauma that i had around my breakup and all of this back in october and started seeing a counselor um i like had this feeling this kind of epiphany moment of like the not needing the happily ever after um, and then feeling guilty and feeling like, oh my gosh, this is coming from a place of fear that I'm like now just going to push everybody away because I just, uh, you know, everybody rejects me and I'm going to be abandoned anyway. So is that why I don't want the happily ever after? Because I feel like somehow I don't deserve it. Um, or is it because I'm actually for the first time in my life making a positive, healthy decision that's not based in fear? 
Uh, and I talked to my counselor about this and he essentially got me to think of this concept of like, where did that need for happily ever after come from? And that, that is what ended up like resolving my abandonment issues because what it turns out for me is that every strong male figure in my entire life has abandoned me in some way, physically, emotionally, you know, whatever it happened to be. Um, and so having that happily ever after having the husband, having the house, you know, all of those things for one time, like, uh, made me feel like I didn't have to feel insecure. I felt like I could depend on these things and wouldn't be abandoned. And so that's why the happily ever after was necessary for me is because otherwise I could be abandoned. Uh, but you know, obviously it literally that can happen anytime anyway. And so knowing that that stemmed from a fear and an insecurity, it allowed me to let go of that and to actually feel good about not needing the happily ever after just needing the happy today. Uh, and so letting go of my abandonment issues surrounding needing the security of permanence has really opened my eyes to this whole new world of just being free and being open and allowing people to love me right now without the jealousy and the drama and the issues. And it feels so much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, that's such a good space to be in because you're more in the present moment. You know, you're not relying on yeah. someone else. You're not relying on a guarantee of security because you're able to find your security here with yourself, you know, and, and, yeah. and with whoever life brings you. So like, you know, life's going to bring you multiple partners at different points in your life and you're satisfied and surprised and happy with whatever it brings you without the attachment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's, tra let's transition into how you became the professional cuddler. So you were dating and all that stuff, but like, when did the, the idea pop up in your head about actually turning it into a career? So I, I left my ex-husband in September of 2012. In, I want to say, April of 2013, I got laid off from my job. And it was kind of at this point where um, January, April, January, February of 2013 was like when I had this concept of like the free hugs guy and like wanting this to be my job. Yeah. Um, and I kind of putzed around with that, but I had a job. And so I was like, man, whatever, I'll do it someday. You know, uh, I had started working on the website um, by the time I got laid off. And I was like, it was kind of like the universe telling me, like, it's now or never. Like, you're almost 30. Like, why not just fucking do it? Like, just go, you know? Um, and I was like, you know, I've got enough right now to like get by for a little bit and like I, I can make this happen like and I believe in myself and I absolutely had faith that if anybody could do this it was me uh and so I just dove right in I spent you know two months like drafting my waiver and like creating what this concept meant to me and like really like thinking about it and not just being like you know let's just try it no, I like put in a ton of time and effort and energy and research and like did everything that I could to make sure that I had my ducks in a row, got my business licenses and insurance and all of these things and made sure that I was like, this was something I could legally do. Um, and then I just started advertising, you know, like the flyers and business cards and chatting and uh, I just kind of made it a thing i don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. well did you validate your idea first did you have customers before you started getting official as a business no um honestly what i did was i i cuddle with like my roommates and my friends a lot i'm just a really touchy person anyway and so i'm i'm constantly cuddling with people um my way of testing this out before i actually did it um, <laughs> which is how I discovered that it's a really bad idea to post ads on Craigslist. Oh, I posted God. an ad on Craigslist and was like, I'm going to be a professional cuddler. I need test dummies. And so luckily, like nothing bad happened uh, <laughs> other than this guy just hit on me, you know, just like no big deal. Really, I'm used to that. Like every girl is. Uh, and so I met this guy in the park and like chatted with him. And then like, uh, like he he wasn't so big that I was like nervous because I'm pretty tiny. I'm like barely five feet tall. I'm like 120 pounds. Like I'm, I'm a tiny person. 
I'm really strong for my size, though. <laughs> and so uh, I went back to this guy's house and, like, cuddled with him. And then he kept trying to put his hands up my shirt. And I'm just like, ah, okay, bye, dude. Like, done. No, this is not. You knew what this was. Like, not be a fucker. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was, like, my one experience of, like, can I do this? Is this something I want to do? Uh, can I make this a real thing? And I definitely thought about it a lot and, and recognized that there's got to be so many people out there who are hurting and lonely and, you know, unappreciated. And... Everybody just needs to feel loved sometimes. And I was like, you know what? Even if I run into like these creepy ass people who are just icky and gross and want to do terrible things to myself or to me, I believe in myself enough to actually do this and to put myself out there and to trust people and to have faith that people are inherently good and that most people are that way, not the other way around. Um and so I decided that for me, like, it's worth the risk because the benefit that it will bring to the people who need it will so outweigh all of the shit that comes with it. That has not always been true, and it has certainly challenged me and pushed me in ways that I never thought possible. But knowing that I've made people's lives better, I've made people's day better, I've made a difference. You know, it's such an incredible feeling to know that every single day I get to wake up and do what makes sense to me and make people happy. And there are absolutely always going to be struggles, but at least I'm doing what I love. It's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> so a couple of things came up for me that when you're talking about that first one was the sexual component or the romantic component of cuddling. So you had the experience where you you had an engagement with a guy that you thought was going to be platonic cuddling, and then he was trying to turn it into more. And I imagine right. that's a, a very, very common situation. Anytime you put, you know, two attractive people together and they're supposed to just cuddle and they have to have a lot of self-will to not. So can you tell me about where this, the, the boundaries are and how you came up with the boundaries? So the, the boundaries are really simple. There are, uh, you're not allowed to have sexual intention behind your touch. Uh, and then you're not allowed to touch swimsuit areas. So the chest or the like hip area on both men and women cannot be touched with hands. Obviously you're gonna be cuddling, so you're gonna be touching body parts, just not with hands and not with sexual intention. That means that if, if a gentleman does get physically aroused, honestly it's pretty rare. Uh, it's just a different, it's a different concept. Um, mm -hmm we just switch positions so that I don't have to have that be a focus of the session. It doesn't have to be something that he has to like feel bad about. We're really big on the shame ju judgment and guilt free. Like we don't allow those kind of feelings here. It's not something necessary or positive for anybody. If you're feeling shameful or guilty about what's going on, that's not how the session should go. And we're not going to allow that to happen. So the, we, are, we do really well at keep people, keeping people in a platonic mindset uh, because I've actually developed a full training program and I teach other people how to do what I do. It's 40 hours long. It's a legitimate hands-on training program that has a lot to do with understanding how the mind works, what people are looking for, how to figure out the red flags, how to redirect somebody before they even know that they're going down this mindset. Uh, or, you know, thinking about things in a different way. And so it's, it's really incredible the amount of thought, energy, and effort put into every single moment of what I do. Uh, and for me, I, I treat my clients like they're seven years old. So I don't ever have sexual attraction to my clients, no matter what they look like, because I see them as kids, and that's gross. <laughs> and so I've never had an issue where I've become aroused with a client, um, just because I've gotten so good at at being in this like meditative mindset of like family, you know? Yeah, I see. Okay. Like, I was going to ask you like, why did you work so hard to avoid the sexual component or the, the love romantic component and keep it platonic or familial? Like, why was that a motivation for you from the beginning? Were you threatened by the sexuality or? No, I'm not threatened by the sexuality at all. And I, I honestly, I'm somebody who believes that prostitution should be legal and, 
something that should be done in safe ways. As mm -hmm. long as there are consenting adults, I, I absolutely believe that everybody should be able to seek out what they uh, desire in their lives. I have no issues with sex work in any way. It's just not something that I'm interested in providing. It's not something that I'm drawn to in any way. Uh, I want to have, you know, an emotional and physical connection with somebody if I'm going to have a sexual interaction with them. And for me, that can't happen with just anybody. Like, um, I'm not going to be just attracted to every single person that I meet. It's just not a thing for me. Whereas the cuddling, absolutely any single person that I meet, if I know their story, I know who they are, they will become my family. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I have clients from two years ago who still send me emails and let me know how they're doing. You know, once somebody comes into my life, they don't leave. They get to have me here no matter what, caring about them always. Whether or not they're coming in and paying for sessions, there's somebody that is my family, and I will always make sure that they're taken care of the best that I can. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, okay, that's really good. I like when you said that you looked at your clients as children, as like seven-year-olds, because so much of us with our abandonment issues really come from our inner child, our inner seven-year-old, you know? And we just want to feel secure. Yeah. We don't want to feel desired necessarily. I think we want to feel like... Uh like so, like we have a belonging somewhere someone cares about us and and so you're providing that sort of inner child warmth that we all miss we we all want to feel worthy and accepted and the the sexual component of things honestly just complicates things and leaves so much room for shame and fear that it's really it takes away from the, the kind of therapeutic aspects of what this is so keeping mm -hmm. it platonic keeping it in that familial kind of sense specifically are very focused on personal growth and development so my goal is to kind of reflect back all of the positivity that somebody has within them already that they're just having a hard time seeing because no one's ever pointed it out to them or maybe they've not heard it or felt it in a certain way where it's made sense to them and so every single time somebody comes in I get to figure it out what they need that day in order to see their like inner light their beauty their their amazingness um and I get to just reflect back to them what they already have and it's uh, it's the most incredible feeling to give somebody that. I love it. Yeah, and where does the there's there counseling involved, talking back and forth? Like, um, at what point do you become a psychotherapist or a counselor? Right. Well, I'm I'm very clear with people that I'm not a trained counselor. I do not have a license in this. I do not give advice. Uh, so I will share with my clients like experiences that I've had in my life to like give them an idea of what's made sense for me, but I won't ever tell somebody how to like live their life or how to solve a problem. Um, there's a YouTube video called It's Not About the Nail that kind of describes compassionate listening, which is much more along the lines of what we do. I've seen um, that video. It's I've shown it to yeah. a few people. It's pretty awesome. Well, and it's, it's fantastic because we all want to feel like whatever our problems are, we can fix them ourselves. You know, we don't want somebody to come in and just like, mah, mah, mah. I fixed it for you. No, I want to feel like I did that. I want to know that I was strong enough and I was powerful enough to do that by myself with support of other people. And so we support people here. We don't fix their problems for them. Uh, a lot of our clients are also in like actual therapy as well, uh, as I feel like most of us should be. <laughs> Nobody can do this alone. And it's really nice to have somebody to like bounce ideas off of. Uh, and so, yeah, most people will end up chatting and telling me, like, their deepest, darkest secrets, things they never tell anybody else because they can trust me. They know it's in the waiver. I don't share anything they tell me, even with other employees here. Everything that they tell me stays between them and me, and that's it, always. And it's one of those places that you could actually trust it because I don't know anybody in your life. I'm not going to judge you. I don't care what terrible things you've done because I promise you I've heard worse. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's a beautiful thing to know that no matter what you say, you're not going to shock me. I'm not going to scare, be scared away. I'm not going to ask you to leave. We love you no matter what. And that's something that's really hard to come by. Yeah, I think it's an amazing service. So how how much do you charge for a session? We charge a dollar per minute for our inbound sessions. And then for people who are like too physically handicapped to come in, we are handicap accessible here. But I mean, I, like, I have a client who has ALS. Like, he's not going to leave his house, you know? Uh, so we, we will go outbound as well, and 
that one for outbound sessions we charge a hundred bucks an hour uh i offer overnight sessions on a very limited basis and mostly just for people who are you know going through divorces and things like that and just can't sleep without that sound of somebody else next to them uh, yeah yeah and then we do guided couple sessions and inner child workshops and all oh, sorts of other things that's awesome yeah okay so when you started out you were just cuddling yourself but now you've got employees and other certified cuddlers and you've got a, a storefront, right? A location. Yeah, we have a 3,500 square foot retail space, 10 blocks from downtown Portland. Uh, I've written a book. I have my certification program. Uh, I have four employees, including our newest male cuddler. Uh, and we have our, our workshops and all, all sorts of different things. It's incredible how much it's grown already. Awesome. So how would I get a job as a professional cuddler? You would do what the other like forty thousand people have done and email me. And, uh, forty thousand. Oh God, at least it's so my inbox is just insane. I can't keep up with it. Um, and so, if you want to go start your own company, you can take my certification course. It costs between you know nine hundred and thirty two hundred dollars, depending on which version you take. Um, and then you can go start your own business where you are. Uh, or if you want to work here, you email me, and then as as we expand, we just email everybody and let people apply. So how do you apply? What do you look for? So the biggest thing is that they have to be non-discriminatory. So you have to be able to accept anyone who walks in the door, no matter if they smell, no matter if they have a missing limb, if their you know face was burned off in a fire, if they have you know terrible breath. Uh, none of these things matter. Men, women, gay, straight, married, single. You have to be able to take anybody. Uh, help them if they're getting what they need. Obviously, if someone is making sexual advances at you, then you're not going to have a session for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to be able to accept anybody, which is not always the easiest thing, you know? Because, I mean, you're not doing this for free for a reason sometimes, you know? <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, you got to be open to that. And then it's really, the touch can be trained, certainly. Um, but it's really about the empathy, making sure that you have good communication skills and that you're warm and friendly and that, you know, people generally like you and that you're not too skinny. <laughs> that helps. If, yeah. you're, if you're super bony and vegan, I'm probably going to ask you to come back after you've had an avocado and some peanut butter. more to love more to cuddle more to like you physical cushion right (laughs) yeah no and think about it nobody wants to cuddle with a skeleton i don't want to have a bruise because i cuddled with you you know like that's not comfortable (laughs) i'm not saying that you have to be fat or big by any means you know any shape and size are welcome here but i would much rather take an employee who's Bigger than the smaller, uh, just because the skeleton thing is just not comfortable. And if I have to train you and spend 40 hours cuddling with you and I end up with bruises, then our clients aren't going to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. There's like a training program a where there's like a buffet and everyone's got to, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> they got to work up their yeah, cuddling you gotta muscles. Be- Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and you can't be too rock hard either. Like, if you have a ton of huge muscles, that's not going to be super comfortable either. <laughs> oh, the squishy, I, the find squish it, I find it so fascinating that you're, like, diving into this new territory and discovering new problems to solve. Like, what makes a good cuddler? And... <laughs> True. I'm figuring it out. We're making it work. <laughs> so tell me, like, about a situation or some of your more awkward cuddling sessions that you've had over the years. Well, the thing is, because my sessions are private, I actually can't share even generic details because if somebody hears an interview and hears a story that might have been them, they're going to feel judged, shamed, and, and guiltful. Yeah. And so I actually don't don't share the stories. Sorry. Well, okay. You don't have to share the stories, though. But well, what, what would make an awkward cuddling session? Obviously, like, inappropriate touching or that seems like the most obvious one. But is there anything else that would be, like, against the rules? Well, see, I don't know. 
when you say awkward, I don't see that as a bad thing. I, my, my belief is that awkward moments are where the growth of life comes from. If I'm not in an awkward moment, I feel like I'm not challenging myself and I'm not doing myself justice. So I love awkward moments. <laughs> How the heck do you deal with an awkward moment? Like, I mean, as a person who tries to avoid awkwardness, right? Like, how do we get up the courage to, to, to stay with it? Uh, I make it more awkward. I like to lean into the awkwardness. Yeah, uh, so I end up, whatever the other person's doing to be awkward, then I'll be more awkward so that they seem normal. And we all feel better because I don't care. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. So you are the best cuddler of them all. Right? Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I've known, been known to, you know, be a cuddlesaurus and I'll roar at people. Uh, and I'll like I'll purr on people if they need comforting and like we'll tell silly jokes and like it doesn't have to be this like really intense I'm gonna cry for an hour kind of thing it can be that but it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well so you have this impression that your life is magical and pristine and you're super popular and super successful but is it is there anything that you struggle with or that you're still working on inside Always, always. I don't ever want to be done growing. Um, I'm never at a point where I'm completely done challenging myself. Um, right now, I am doing my best to work on balance in my life. Like, I, I was dating, like, five guys at once, like, two weeks ago, and it was just, like, too much. I, like, couldn't handle it. And so I, like, <laughs> I texted a couple of them and was like, sorry, I'm not doing this anymore. Bye. <laughs> Uh, and you know, like my, my rule of thumb for my life is if my room is a mess, my life is a mess and my room was a big fucking mess. And so I spent the time and cleaned my room and like, I'm taking care of myself, you know, cooking my meals and doing my functional training and going out for walks and journaling and, you know, doing all the things that I need to do for the balance of my life and then incorporating the touch and the other things after that. Because I obviously, I'm so touch-driven that all I ever want to do is, like, fucking cuddle with people, like, in the shop or not. Like, I just want to be holding someone or them holding me. Um, But that's not healthy or realistic all the time. And so I have to find that balance. And I have to put my priorities straight and make sure that I'm really taking care of myself so that I can, in a healthy and productive way, incorporate touch in my life. Oh, yeah. That's That's so funny and interesting that you've, have a problem with having too much cuddling in your life. There's no such thing as too much cuddling. It's not a thing. It doesn't happen. But I do have to get shit done still. That's that's definitely a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so do you do all your own accounting and taxes or do you hire someone for that? Uh, so my, my business is an LLC. So I have a business manager. I have a lawyer. I have an accountant. I have a web developer. Uh, and then I had a publicist, but he had some health issues. So he's kind of on sabbatical right now. Um, and so I, I do the basic accounting stuff. I get it all over to him. He processes our payroll, which is nice. Um, I, I do a lot of it. I do all the fucking laundry. So I'm constantly doing laundry. Uh, I do all of the housekeeping around the shop. I do all of the like inventory control and like scheduling and like, oh yeah, it's nonstop. Whatever you think it takes to run a small business, multiply it by like a hundred other things that you never would have thought about and then like multiply that by like 10 times the amount of hours you thought each one of those things would take and that's about what it is. <laughs> Jeez. You, it's a you, lot of things all the time. And there's no way you could do that if you didn't love your job, love what you do. Oh God. It would be uh, and there's certainly been moments where I'm like, is this worth it? Is this something that I really want to do? Because fuck, like this is awful. And like when I'm spending 20 hours on the computer in two days because I have to catch up on all this bullshit, I like hate it. I absolutely hate it. But then I like go on my public figure page and I look at all these people who are like so excited to like have somebody that just cares. And it's like, oh yeah, that's why I do this. Nope, I'm good. I'm I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah. Did business explode for you after America's Got Talent? No, I mean it was already pretty busy. Um, mm-hmm. it, we're kind of saturated. We're at that point where I like I need to hire more people, but I don't have the time to like train them, and so I'm kind of at that like. I can stop taking days off again if I want to like train somebody, but it's like, ugh. 
I don't know. I got to find the balance with this because it's just, it's, <laughs> there's not enough hours for more sessions, but there's not enough hours for me to add more people. And so <laughs> it's kind of a conundrum. Yeah. So how do you imagine scaling the business? Is it as simple as a linear, like hire more cuddlers and get more clients in the door? Or do you imagine some other way of scaling? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I recently signed on as a spokesperson for a company that is going to be launching here in the next couple of months. And this, this concept that they're working with, I actually created a program for them that will absolutely change the face of the industry almost overnight. And I'm super excited about it. And my little shop here will be not even a drop in the bucket and i like can't wait for this to be accessible to everyone all around the world so quickly and so easily and so safely and it's so exciting that this is finally going to happen after like years and years of work like i finally found the people that i like can can partner with to make this a, a reality and there's some some big things coming soon can you share <laughs> Uh, well, it's it's essentially going to be an app uh, that will teach people how to do what I do in, a, in at least a basic sense. Certainly not the same as my full certification program, but enough to keep them safe and to give them ideas of how to, like, get started. You know, like, we have over 65 poses that we use here in my studio, and the certification that we're teaching through this app will be 12 poses. Um so a little bit yeah. of a difference there, <laughs> yeah. but enough to, you know, at least one. And uh, and it's it's gonna connect you to people in your area through GPS, you know, so people will know how far you are from the person that you're going to see, and so instantly you'll be able to find the people who've had the training and know what they're doing. And we've got this amazing star rating system to make sure that everyone is being appropriate and actually following the rules. And there's there's a lot of things in place to make sure that people are are safe. And it's really cool to finally bring that in a way where people can do it without having to fly to Portland and spend a week with me. <laughs> okay, wow. So it's kind of like Uber or one of those services for cuddling. A little bit, yeah. yeah. So like the, it's, it's you'll have great. the cuddlers, then I would imagine they get paid through... The service? Uh, no, we don't have anything to do with the payment at all. Uh, everybody's like, we don't take a cut of, an, of the income that people, whatever they charge, they set their own prices, they collect their own payments. All we're doing is being the middleman. So we're connecting the clients with the, the professionals and that's it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, save so me and Austin, if I wanted to earn a living as someone who wants to cuddle people, I could download your app, yeah. take your, learn the 12 poses and come up and f learn how to cuddle properly and professionally and platonically. And then find other people through your app that want to be cuddled and then hook up and then do, handle this money situation. And then I could start earning some, some side income from that. That sounds yeah. really, that sounds really exciting. When is that expected to come out? We were hoping by the end of December, but <laughs> we've had some trademark issues, so I don't know right now. We're, uh, we're working yeah. through it. Yeah. But hopefully 2016, it'll be out this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll definitely hear about it. <laughs> okay, so you have the app coming out, and then you also came out with a book. Tell me about the book that you wrote. So my book is called power of human connection uh, the book came about because of like the bazillion emails that i got and it was basically like eight questions over and 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 i was like okay i can't respond to all of you people like this is crazy like after two months of answering like hundreds of emails every day and doing you know full-time sessions and all of this and driving five hours a day I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is too much. And so I just wrote a book to kind of fill in all of the information of all the answers of everything that people kept asking me. So the book is is my backstory, how I got into this. It's the science and psychology of touch. So I like I explained to you, you know, a little a little bit of the research that I've done. There's chapters on how to communicate your wants and needs, how to say yes and no. There's a cuddle personality quiz, and there are 19 cuddle poses with all the tips and tricks of the pro. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. And what's it called? What's it called again? Touch the Power of Human Connection. Awesome. And you, where can you buy it? 
Uh, CuddleUpToMe.com or it's on Amazon as well. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so what else is in your future? Um, hopefully some sleep <laughs> at some point <laughs> might be good. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> not as concerned about that future. Uh, more, more cuddlers. So soon I want to bring on another three, three employees here at my studio. And then basically that'll give me enough time to really start with the, the launch of this new company and, and do that more. So I will actually be cutting down my hours of active cuddling because um, right now I'm I'm doing this pretty much full time it's kind of non-stop um, five hours a day is, is pretty common for me at this point and so I would like to be able to spend my time a little bit more efficiently and growing and developing the company doing the social media more really like getting people connected and, and kind of growing things getting my certification program out in front of people mm -hmm. uh, and you know, take it over the world, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so in your in your <laughs> in your dating life, do people know that know you as the cuddler and do they kind of seek you out for that? Well, no, and I whether or not they recognize me, which in Portland obviously it's pretty common that people will recognize me. Um, I always am very upfront with that. So I have it listed in my profile, in my online dating sites, whatever, all the time. I'm very upfront with people uh, because there are certainly people who have jealousy issues or, you know, think it's weird or whatever. And so mm -hmm. um, I am an over communicator and very blunt and upfront with people. So I, I make it quite clear that this is what I do. So they are they quick to be like they want to cuddle with you on the first date or how do you <laughs> do they get do that for free you know, cuddles I, or, or what? The last boyfriend that I had, we we did a cuddle date as our first date and it was fantastic. Oh, um, cool. I do that sometimes. It depends on the person and the the you know conversations that we've had. Uh, if they're if they're if they're more sexually driven, then I won't do a cuddle date up front because then they're just going to get all handsy and that's not cool on a first date. I don't know. Uh, I am kind of a prude. <laughs> a little bit. It's rare that I let a guy even kiss me on a first date, uh, but I don't care. I mean, that's your style. That's for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> so what is, what is one of the major lessons that you've learned over the course of your cuddling career? What have you learned about people, about, human desires and needs? Uh, let's see. The biggest thing that I've learned is that we all live in fear of something or multiple, usually multiple, multiple, multiple things. Um, and that we all need and deserve love, like unconditional love. And that very few of us have that. Um, and it's, it's something that, I am very driven to provide people that sense of unconditional love and acceptance. Um, and it's such a remarkable thing to see somebody experience that and to see someone feel truly loved. A lot of the times, this is something, you know, if they're coming to me, they've never had this in their life, ever. And it's such a cool thing to give somebody that feeling of like, oh, I do matter. I, I am worthy of love and uh, people do like me and things are okay and I am accepted as I am. Uh, I love teaching people that concept of like, you don't have to be the best version of yourself before you can be worthy of love. Like right now, you today, as you are, you are good enough and you are worthy of love. Absolutely. No matter who you are, that statement is true. Oh man, that's such a universal truth right there. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you if you exist, you are worthy of love. That's all it takes. You don't have to be the, the version of yourself that you put on the pedestal. And neither do I. You know, I want to improve myself. I want to be better. And, you know, I, of course, have things about myself that I don't like either. But you know what? It doesn't mean that I'm not good enough right now as I am. I, I don't have to look in the mirror and think terrible things about myself in order to feel good. That's not the way it works. No matter what my flaws are, no matter how I feel about myself, I will look in the mirror and know that my person as I am is good enough. 
And everybody else needs to see that too. And that is the message that I want to spread. And I want people to understand that this is what life is about. Connection and acceptance. That's it. Oh, man. That sounds like such an amazing way to end this podcast. I don't think I have any other thing to add to that. I mean, that's pretty an epic life purpose right there. That's phenomenal. Right? I know. I really do have the best life. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> and, and yeah, I told you I'm all soapbox. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, you totally deserve it. You know, and, and it's like you found your purpose through one of your greatest yeah. life struggles. Yeah. And I think that's oh, absolutely. a lesson. Yeah, I think it's a lesson that our listeners can take away is to, to who are struggling to find their purpose in the world is they could look to where they are having the hardest struggles in their life, because that's probably why they incarnated in, in on Earth to have those struggles so they can grow from it and then teach people and help people through that issue. The same thing. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I literally have felt like the most worthless person on the planet many points in my life. Uh, but the last couple of years, like, I probably have a bigger ego than anyone you've ever met ever. Like, I top Donald Trump. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. Samantha has for and president. I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not at all. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Samantha. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. So, okay, so where can people find you? People can find me at cuddleuptome.com or on facebook.com uh, slash Samantha Cuddle. Awesome. So, and get your book, the Touch the Power of Human Connection on Amazon and um, cuddleuptome.com and find her on Twitter and Facebook and everything like that. So, Thank you for listening to this episode of the Maker Mistaker podcast. Um, if you've enjoyed it, share it on Twitter or Facebook and give us a rating on iTunes because it helps other people find the podcast and it's always good. Um, so very much appreciate it. I hope you coddle somebody today or perhaps, you know, fly up to Oregon to get a session with Samantha and let me know how it goes. All right. Well, thanks again. Bye, Samantha. Thank you. Bye.